Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's episode, I got the uh, the man from the six, not Drake, but uh, Mike Dorenzo. What's my guy. going How are we on? Living? John Ann, a.k.a. Flat Stan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fucking, I think it's so funny the shit that you and Lenny, like, have his nicknames for me. Because, like, most people, they don't understand it. But then when they hear it, like, they fucking immediately reiterate <laughs> it. Like, uh... My homie, like uh, my homie Grace Gabriel, um, the one that played Lax at Marquette. I was uh, with her brother the other night, and uh, we Facetimed her. And when she answered the Facetime and saw my face, she was like, "What's good, Flat Stan?" And I'm like, "Shut your, I'm like, shut your fucking mouth right you now." You know what, man? I have to. I definitely have to give credit to Lenny for that one. The dude just, uh, <laughs> that dude just thinks differently. And uh, but some of that shit he says, man, it just, it's fucking gold. So, uh, you know, shout out to Len for sure. But man, yeah, dude, I'm fucking excited to be here. Uh, we've been talking for like the last, you know, almost week, week and a half now. So I've been like getting really fired up and, uh, no, it's been, I'm glad to hear you're doing well, man. And you're doing all this shit. It's pretty fucking exciting. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And like going back to Lenny, it's kind of funny because, uh, I sent him that tweet I sent you this morning that was like a tweet of like a little uh, dime bag. And it was like, if you, if you, if, if you've never smoked weed out of one of these, then I don't want to hear your opinion on weed. And I sent that to him and he goes, bro, that's you. <laughs> I know. Bag. I totally forgot about that nickname. Oh man. Dime bag, the Marlboro man. Oh dude. The list goes on. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Fucking incredible. <laughs> uh, miss that kid. Yeah. I actually, I miss oh, that kid a fuck. lot. Well, Oh, I know. I know. Dude, when I went to, like, it was unfortunate that his father passed, but, like, mm-hmm. when I went to the wake, um, we're standing in line, and he saw me, and he, like, turned away because he was about <laughs> to bust out laughing. And then when, when I got up there, like, I, you know, sh- uh, gave his brother a hug, and then I gave his mom a hug, and his mom's just like, hi, like, I'm not sure I know you. Who are you again? And he's like, mom, this is Dimebag. <laughs> I'm like, bro, <laughs> at your dad's, like, Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> but that's the thing, dude. Like, I envy him. <laughs> Yeah, Lenny and his mom's relationship too, because like they're they're best friends. Like I never seen a guy that no. close with his mom and be able to share. Like you know, he talks to his mom like he's talking to one of his boys, and that's fucking. I think that's awesome, and uh, the relationship they have. That um, that video he sent a bunch. He sent us in like a group chat on his birthday where he was in the back seat and he was just like, "What do we? What am I getting for Christmas?" Or he's like, "What am I getting for my birthday this year?" She's like, you got new clothes. Goes, yeah, I didn't ask for those. <laughs> and like, purposely, like <laughs> egging his mom on. And like the the video ends with his mom being like, oh, come on, Lenny. <laughs> yeah, man, she's the best. She's the Holy best. Holy fuck. Yeah, yo. So, I mean, it's definitely like I'm definitely fired up to have you on here because, you know, it's always uh, good vibes talking to you. And then like I was with Six last night and um, having a couple beers and checking out his uh, new house. And I told him I was recording with you today. And he was like, bro, he's like, you got to let me know when this episode drops. He's like, I love, uh, he's like, I love seeing Dorenzo. He's like, the kid's outlook on life is just unmatched. And I'm like, thinking to myself, I'm like, yo, I know Mike pretty well. Like, I've kicked it with him. I'd definitely say he's one of my better friends from Mercyhurst. But, like, I'm thinking, like, what the fuck is this kid's outlook? I'm like, what's his outlook? And I'm waiting for him to drop some, like, motivational shit on me, like how most people do. But he was just like, nah, dude. He's like, the kid just is like you know whether it's raining whether it's sunny whether it was the worst day of his life or not like no matter what he's doing it's just i'm gonna have fun and i don't really give a fuck i'll let him figure it out rest so like 
is that something, you know, getting right into it, is that something that you've always lived your life by? Because, like, like I said, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen you upset or mad. And anytime I've been around you, it's just been, like, high energy from, like, the second we get together. Right, to man. I mean, hey, like, you know, everyone has those days and everyone has those moods, right? But for the most part, and, you know, we were chatting about this earlier, it's just, like, life's too goddamn short to be anything else but happy or, you know, enjoying it. And, uh, you know, like anything else, you have those, you have those days, you have those moments of time, whether it's work relationships where like, you feel like everything's fucking against you. And I'm going to be completely honest, man. Like the last few months of this quarantine bullshit we were going through, like it, it really all came and caught up with me. And I was in a, I was in a, like a dark place for, you know, a, a month or two, just kind of stuck in my own head. And we talked about this too, like, you know, weed's always been fucking unreal and like you you know you smoke and you get high with the boys it's been a social thing but like being at home getting high all the time it got it got me to a bad place and you know i had to kind of step away but um but yeah man fuck like life's too short like you gotta enjoy yourself um and yeah i don't know man like like we were talking about before um with that book think like a monk by jay shetty he was explaining how, like, you know, you go through periods like seasons, right? And, like, just like the trees, like, shed their leaves. Like, you can go through, uh, you know, a shitty time in life. But you got to know that on the other side of it, it's good times, man. There's always good times. And, and even if you're going through a shitty time in one aspect of your life, you know, whether it be work or you're fighting with your girlfriend or, you know, your parents, whatever. Like, you got to think, like, okay, that's just one aspect. But... You know, there's probably in another aspect or another multiple aspects, you, you could be probably doing really well for yourself. You know, you, there's always the silver lining. There's always something you could pull out um, and, and show some positivity. So, you know, I'm glad uh, I'm glad I made that impression on six because um, I love that kid. And every time I go down and visit those boys, it's hard not to be in a good mood. So, yeah, man. No, absolutely not. And I remember that uh, the time I went over to Georgia's, I think this was, was it, it might have been, no, it definitely wasn't last summer. It was two summers ago. But I remember uh, when I went over to Georgia's, I didn't even know you were there. And I heard you talking and I like said the six, I'm like, I'm like, don't even, I'm like, I, I'm like, I know that Canadian accent. I'm like, is, I'm like, is Dorenzo here? He goes, yeah, he's in the basement. And I like sprinted down to George's basement. And I was like, you, I was like, what's up? You yeah, dude, I think that was like Halloween a couple of years ago. Or some shit like that. Yeah, it it was a it was yeah, when he like yeah. first moved into that house. But um, yeah. So like, I mean, kind of going off what you were saying, dude. I honestly was the same way. Like when I was out in Denver, like I uh, I you know I we ended up we did end up like smoking all the time because it's legal out there and shit like that. And like I started to like stay away from it a little bit because like it was getting me like super anxious. And then like when I got back home from Denver. I probably went through like the darkest time, like mentally that I've ever probably went through. And then mm -hmm. I was having like severe panic attacks, like out of the blue, mm -hmm. like even when I wasn't smoking, just like having severe crippling panic attacks where like, yeah. I thought I was about to have a heart attack and it would be like, I'd be sitting there uh, having dinner with my mom, just like, you know, playing rummy talking whatnot. And it would just come on out of the blue. And so like, for me, it was like, kind of like how we were talking about books and like Jay Shetty and shit like that. It was just like, uh, it was probably the first time ever in my life where I'm just like, all right, like, 
I got to figure out what the fuck is going on with me. And like, I kind of got to like, you know, distance myself from like my friends. I mean, we talked about this. I went off social mm-hmm. media media for like six months. Like I was like, no social media, nothing. Like I got to sit down with myself. I got to figure out like what's going on. I got to figure out like what I want, who I am. And like, that's kind of how, like, you know, I got into like, like doing mm-hmm. yoga all the time and meditation, which we talked, we, we touched on, which, uh, you know, we can get into in a little bit, but like, um, you know, one thing that me and you've always clicked on is that like, you're, you're super into like uh, health and wellness and shit like that. So like, um, and you still are. So like, is that something that you did because you knew you were going to play college soccer or like, was that just something? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, in high school, I think, uh, me and a couple of my really good friends, we started, we started hitting the weight room, probably like, uh, grade 10, grade 11. And I always knew there was a benefit for like sports performance, right? Because, you know, you see it on social media, you see the mm-hmm. guys working out. I mean, but it all, I mean, to be a hundred percent honest with you, it all started just by, you know, for the reason of getting bigger and looking better. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's like where a lot of people start off their journey and they're like, they're kind of unhappy of like where, what they look like uh, on the outside. Um, and I was like a fucking skinny, skinny ass, scrawny kid in high school. You know, like I ran cross country and track. I played soccer. Like, you know, I was a twig. So my goal was always like, okay, I want to get fucking huge. And I think that like through that, obviously, you know, you have some success. And then it became like a passion, right? Then you realize like everything else in life, like you start to dive deep into something that there's fucking layers and there's levels to that shit. And, you know, that's what kind of really got me hooked is like, this whole the whole science part behind all of it and that's kind of like what drove me to go to school for biology and and kind of like figure it out on a on a you know a more meaningful level yeah no i do you what is your thought because i definitely feel like because i mean like i've always you know been in the weight room and always been working Mm -hmm. out i'm not like some big ass dude but like um i've always like perceive i'm perceived to look bigger than what i am because i'm six four mm-hmm. and obviously like having broader shoulders but like outside of that like it wasn't until like i this past year when i was going through the like uh you know probably the darkest time of my life where i really started to like hit the weight room hard and um you know start running you know consistently back almost like to mm-hmm. the regimen of like when you're training for a sport and like my biggest takeaway from it was like i realized like how much like mental clarity you get from it and it's almost like now for me it's just like i don't even care about like how i look it's more so like i need to do it because yeah. it's just like it helps my mental health so like how you know like how do you feel about that since you know you said oh, you were going through like man. some anxiety like, it's shit. definitely a form of meditation for me um although like through like the past six months i've kind of developed some other forms of meditation um working out and training has always been a way for me to clear my mind and kind of you know, whatever you got going on in your life, you kind of step into the weight room or like I still play soccer pretty competitively. You know, you step onto the pitch and, you know, everything else kind of doesn't matter for that two hours or whatever. And you could fully like you fully like just focus on on the task at hand and uh, you kind of get into that flow state, which I really think is important because, like you said, it just gives you some more clarity. And then, you you know. Not only it does it do that, but like the rush of endorphins and all the feel good mechanisms, right? Like you step off that field or you get out of that weight room, not only feeling like you've accomplished something, 
right? Because, you know, you've taken care of your health for the day, but you got all that feel-good energy, those vibes, right? And you could go and you could attack the rest of the day with that mentality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, and I know you said you were uh, you started hitting the weight room with your boys, but um, we were talking about it. So, like, the gym that I go to now, um, you know, mm-hmm. a, cop, a cop in my town owns it. And it's funny because, like, the only people that really go to that gym are, like, the actual people that, like, actually, like, get after it and train pretty hard. Like, you don't, you know, like, no knock against public gyms, but you don't get people that are in there just trying to bodybuild and, like, get the beach muscles. Like, you get people that are actually trying to be, like, strong as fuck. So, like, it's kind of uh, funny, like, being in that environment because, like, every time I'm in there, they're just, like, I mean, there's guys that are way, you know, stronger and bigger than me that are just like blasting mm-hmm. fucking music and just like moving weight. So like being in that, being in that type of environment too, like you can't show up and be like, ah, I don't feel like working right. out. Seeing that and unfortunately, you, like, I got, that's awesome that you guys, you know, are still able to do that in New York. Like, like it's been pretty unfortunate, but the governing of Canada here and Ontario has kind of dropped the ball pretty fucking bad with this whole COVID shit going on. And, uh, gyms have just not been a thing, at least in the city of Toronto. Like some of the regions surrounding Toronto have been able to open gyms with like 25% capacity, but like, yeah, it's been tough because you don't, you don't have that, that environment to go into and get yourself amped up. But, uh, yeah, man, it sucked, but I've, uh, yeah. I invested, a, you know, put some money and bought a bunch of equipment for my basement. So you know what? I've had like a really different outlook on training the last year because it's been primarily by myself or with like, you know, a buddy. And it's actually been nice because you kind of, you kind of like let go of your ego, you know, and like you're in the gym and you see those guys throwing weights or you see a a hot girl walk by and you're like, Oh, I got to get this. Like I got to get to work. Like, you know, and you, maybe you put on a little bit more weight than you should. It's been really nice to like not have that and not have not lift with an ego and just train train properly and train for yourself right like i made huge gains this year not just with like strength but just like with my body feeling better right just like making the muscles work the way they're supposed to and it's because like i've been i had that time just to like work out by myself too so yeah it's been uh it's been different but it's been really good Absolutely. And I know like we touched on it a little bit, like we're not going to go, you know, dive Mm. too much into it because we're not trying to get political here. But like me and you were talking about it and it's like Mm. almost in a way like it's fucking asinine, in my opinion. And maybe like maybe people that are listening are like, all right, you're just repeating what you heard Joe Rogan say. But like like he kind of has a point like you don't really hear any of. I'm good. um, Can you still hear me? Okay, my bad. It sounded like you cut. I'll just restart. Um you know, for, you know, he kind of has a point, like Joe Rogan kind of has a point here. And like, I thought about it after hearing it from him. And he was basically saying that, like, you have all these politicians going on TV being like, close the gyms, don't do anything. But like, at the same time, like, what are people going to do? Just sit at home and like, die? Like, you need to, you like, there's no politician that's out there being like, drink a gallon of water, get your vitamin D, get your zinc, Mm -hmm. take your vitamins, go, go for a run every day, hit the weights, like sweat. Um, So like, you know, what is, what is your thought on that? Cause like, I think it's like almost asinine in a way that like they would close gyms because it's just like, yo, like you yeah. don't have to go to the gym if you don't want to. And I know for anyone listening, it'll probably be like, go fuck yourself because you can catch COVID that way. But that's not like what I'm saying. I'm not saying that they're wrong for shutting the gyms, but it's just like, 
there's no message of hey try to improve your health while you're at home it's yeah. just no, oh, wear a mask and uh, you stay are safe. completely right man i think it's 100% backwards uh, a way the way like these governments have been handling this situation uh, especially in canada cuz i know in the states like state by state you get there's a little bit more autonomy there where they can make their own decisions but uh in canada here man it, it's it's uh it's tiresome it's tiresome and especially um i want to shout out my buddy joel o'reilly who's really put me on to the whole um functional medicine uh, approach to to health and it's just like there's so much they could be doing. They had such a great opportunity to really educate people and really pu- push like a positive message that could change people's lives in a good way. And they completely dropped the ball, right? Like stay inside, wear the mask, don't socialize. Like th- that's backwards. Like, first of all, we're social creatures, right? We need social interaction. And, and second of all, like you're right, man. Most people who are dying of COVID are obese, like and that's just facts they're obese they're vitamin d vitamin c zinc deficient right with really really poor metabolic health and they they literally had a golden opportunity to really you know direct people in the right direction and they they did the opposite so yeah dude i don't really want to political about this but um because you know obviously how i feel and i know how you feel but it's just if I got mm-hmm. a message for every anyone out there, it's just like, hey, do your own due diligence. Don't believe everything you, you see on the news and, uh, you know, do your own research. Think for yourself, because I think uh, the government wants you wants to do the thinking for you. And I think that's like the worst thing possible. So think for yourself, at least. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And like I said, this will be the last time yeah. I, I touch on it because we're not we're not going to get into 100%. it because obviously it's a little distasteful for some people. But that's the thing. Like, I mean, my mom's always raised me that way. She's like, whether whether you are told it's right or wrong, just for your own personal yeah. self, question everything. Don't be don't be an asshole and be like, that's wrong. I need to know why it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be that fucking kid because no one's going to like you. But at the end of the day, like you hear something and you think that there might be an alternative to it, or you think that it, it's not right, independently, Google shit, figure out, but don't go out there projecting yeah. shit to other people. Like, just keep it to yourself. So that would be the last thing we, we touch on that. But, you know, getting getting back to you, um, the, uh, one thing I want to touch on, so, like, me and you met when we were at Mercyhurst. Uh, you know, my first year, I didn't really, like, know you or uh, really that well. Um, and then once I stopped playing lacrosse, you know, I mm-hmm. kind of had to figure out like, okay, I got to make new friends because if I don't, then all my boys, I'm not gonna, like, I'm spending more time off the field than I am on. Cause obviously I'm not playing anymore. So I had to make new friends and you were one of the first kids I became boys with. Um, and you played soccer, you didn't play lacrosse. So like we had a different, you know, path of becoming friends, but what, what led you going to Mercyhurst and like, you know, what, what led you to decide you wanted to go to college in the States um, versus staying at home well, I in think Canada. It, like the origin of that would definitely have to go back to growing up um, with my dad as my coach. Uh, since I was in like four years old playing house league, my dad uh, was my coach of my house league team. And, and as I progressed, you know, you know, from house league to playing competitive to moving up to the highest division in Ontario, 
my dad did his due diligence and completed all of his coaching licenses so that he was able to continue to be my coach. Um, and, you know, although like growing up, that was really, that was really tough for me at sometimes because, you know, at sometimes it didn't, it felt like I didn't have a dad. It was like, I only had a coach and like, you know, there was those times where I'd come home from fucking practice or a game we lost and the whole car ride home, I just got fucking ripped on. You know what I mean? Not because my dad was doing it, you know, because he just, he cared so much. And like, I was like the outlet. So there's, you know what I mean? Like there's just bare times where I would come home just fucking crying, like not wanting to play anymore. But essentially like that was the origin. Like I saw, he opened my eyes to the possibilities and the potential, like from playing a sport and how you could get like an education paid for. Um, and then, you know, like I knew guys who were older than me going away on scholarships to the States and it just sounded like a dream. You know what I mean? Like you think of like a college in America, at least like from I don't know, a mm-hmm. kid from Canada thinking, oh man, like these fucking massive schools and the parties that must go on. And it just, it was all a fucking dream, man. So that was definitely the motivation to get south of the border and, uh, and get an education. Yeah, that's fucking awesome because, mm-hmm. like, uh, I didn't even know that about you until now, which is kind of funny because we're similar in that aspect. Like, my mom was probably, like, my biggest coach growing up because, like, she put me on to that type of shit, too, being like, hey, like, if you're going to play, like, because uh, mm-hmm. when I started playing lacrosse, I didn't start until I got to middle school. So, like, I kind of started late. Um, I picked, I, you know, picked up a stick and then I would, like, my freshman right. year, like, I was still fucking trash. Like, I could barely catch and pass. But, um and she, she put me on to that. Yes. I was like, Mom, I want to go to, like, Oklahoma, Texas, Florida State. Like, I want to go to some wild-ass fucking <laughs> yeah, honestly. Like, I blame, like, a, the American Pie movies for that shit. But, like, yeah. And so, like, my mom put me on to it. She's like, look, like, one, you need to get your grades up, which I ended up, like, in high school. I was in, you know, every yeah. honor society that they possibly had, like, math, science, you know, fucking all that shit. So, like. And then on top of it, she's like, yo, like if you, you know, take this lacrosse seriously and shit like that, like you could get, you essentially could get school Mm -hmm. paid for, which I did between lacrosse and academics. But like, to your point about being a coach, like there was times where I was like, fuck this, because I always told her, I said, no matter what I say, pretend you're a division one coach or you're, uh, you know, a high level program coach that's recruiting me. And there'd be games where like, I'd have like four or five goals I'd be in the car ride and I'd be like happy go lucky. And she's just straight up like, what are you like? What are you so happy about? Like you played like shit. And I'm like, yeah, but I had four or five goals. And she's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. you were going for ground balls. You look soft as fuck. Like, and my buddies are in the back seat. Like, yo, God damn. Like, what is wrong with this woman? But like, she was always like, you know, she knew what I wanted to do. And she like saw that potential. So she always held me to that standard, you know, kind of like going back to your dad, which I think like, you know, without that, we bro. wouldn't, it's like, done what we were able it's to not do. like I regret any of it. And I appreciate all that that man has done for me. It's just like when you're in it, when you're in it, it's hard. It's hard to, especially as a kid, mm-hmm. too. it's hard to like step back and see the whole, the bigger picture. Right. But 100%. That, like we're on the other side of that. You know, you can't, you can't be anything but grateful and thankful for, you know, the commitment and the sacrifices they made, you know? Absolutely. And it's like funny too, because like, I think about it, like I, uh, I was getting recruited by a school in Maryland and we drove all the way to Maryland. And then as I was, we were driving to Maryland, I got a call from another division Mm -hmm. one school that was back up in like 
back up in New York. And uh, they were like, yeah, the only time we can get you to campus is tomorrow. So, like, we drove to Maryland, did an official visit, came back all in the same day. And my mom probably drove uh-huh. like almost 24 hours in, like, a two-day span just to get me back and forth. And, like, at the time, I'm just like, you think, like, oh, that's just, like, what parents do. But then, like, obviously, you grow up a little and you're out of college. And then you look at, like, that. It's just, like, holy fuck. Like, I'm so blessed and thankful that, like, you know, we both had, like, yeah, the, man, for sure. know, the, the dad and mom that we did, you know? But yeah, back to that. Uh, yeah, so getting back to like why why Mercyhurst and not anywhere else, it was uh, it was kind of up to uh, you know Ali Kornacki, and there was another girl a few years older than us who uh, her name was Olivia Resch, um, who grew up in the same neighborhood as me, played for the same soccer club growing up, and they both ended up getting scholarships to Mercyhurst. So through some connections, uh, my dad actually organized like a week long camp. Um, at Mercyhurst, kind of like a showcase camp where we came down, stayed on campus. Uh, the coach set up games with some local clubs, and we got to, you know, play and showcase our talents. Um, and the coach actually ended up really liking me, and you know, the way I was playing and stuff. But that was probably like maybe grade 10, beginning of grade 11. So it was kind of early in the sense of like, you know, committing to a scholarship and him being able to offer me anything. So I remember I played another season here at home and I was getting some D1 attention, um, primarily the University of Vermont and uh, Cornell University. Uh, at the same time, I was also running track at, uh, in high school and I was fucking, I was killing it in track, even though I hated running. I was just, I was always good at it. So my high school coach, who was an alumni at University of Memphis, was trying to hook me up with a track scholarship. I ended up telling I ended up quitting track in grade 11 to focus on soccer but uh D1 was definitely a possibility and I remember going to I remember going to take my SATs and I don't know you do like the math and the language and then you have like that essay and I remember like without the essay I ended up scoring like I don't know like high 1600s and for Mercyhurst I sent him the result and he was like hey like look I don't have to give you a full scholarship on just soccer like i can give you half academic half athletic scholarship you can come here for free so that was like a huge a huge selling point for me right going to school not having any debt it was like for me it was a way i could like repay my parents and especially my dad for like all the work that he put in but i really wanted to go d1 like you know what i mean like it's just it's every athlete's dream to play for a big D1 school. And I really wanted to go to Cornell because I was like, fuck, man, like Ivy League, like I could get a good degree. And I remember the coach at Cornell was like, hey, I really like you, but you need to get like a better SAT score. <laughs> so my ass went back, rewrote the SATs. And I remember just like halfway through the SAT, the second time I was like, dude, fuck this. Like three hour test. I'm like, I don't even give a shit that much anymore. Like, and I remember I got – and I ended up getting, like, a worse fucking score the second time. And then after that, I was like, okay, like, it's done. Like, I'm going to Mercyhurst. Went for my official visit. The boys took me out for the night, and I, like, fucking fell in love. You know what I mean? Like, not to mention that fucking Mercyhurst looks like <laughs> fucking Harry Potter when you first go through uh-huh. those gates, you know? <laughs> yeah, yo, yeah. 
dude, it's funny because like I love you to death and whatnot, <laughs> but like there's no way you I could picture you at Cornell. Not not from the aspect that it's Ivy League. Yo, bro, not from the aspect that it's Ivy League, but we played before when I was at Hobart, we played Cornell every single year. Like they were one of our right. like big time uh, like rivals. It was like them and Syracuse every year were our two biggest rivals. And um my my buddy Brian Salvin, he played uh he played long stick midfielder for Cornell. He transferred in from UNC and in the fall we went to visit him and none of the lacrosse kids even made it out. Like, right. No like they didn't even make it past like ten thirty because everyone was just so fucked up. And um the next day, like he was telling us, he's just like, dude, he's like, he's cause I asked him, I'm like, yo, like what made you go from like UNC to, to Cornell? And like, he, he said, he's just like, dude, he goes, I partied wait He, you know, essentially was just like, he's like, UNC's like a zoo, bro. He's like, you just party, party, party. And he's like, it's good and stall. And he goes, you know, kind of mm. focusing on academics. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like that's why he came to Cornell, but he was saying at Cornell, he's like, dude, you're busting your ass so hard during the week. Right. That, on the weekends, people just go fucking ballistic and just party their face off. And so it's just like, not in, like, I'm not saying it in a bad way, but just knowing you, like, the way I do, yeah. I could just foresee no, you being I like, yeah, it's dope here, but I'm not like, you know, going through university me. now and seeing, you know, how it, now they're going through university. I don't think I could picture myself there either. Um, man, honestly, even like when we used to go and Lenny used to take me to like Ohio University or we used to go to OSU. Or, you know, these big D1 schools to go party. Like, I feel like I would have got lost in one of those schools. Like, when there's 40,000 kids and you're, like, a drop in the bucket. You go to a class with, like, fucking 300, 400 people in a class. Like, I just feel I would have got lost. And I'm, like, so thankful now going to Mercier's, which had, like, whatever, 4,000, 5,000 kids. Like, it gave you an opportunity to, like, make something of yourself. Right. With like it was a smaller, smaller city, you know, smaller school. You got to really like make relationships with people and get to know like the whole, I got, you know, you know, it just as well as I do. You got to know everyone at Mercier's. Like even if you didn't fuck with them or hang out with them, like you knew who everyone was. And I don't know, I really appreciate like the community that Mercier's provided. Yeah, bro. Honestly, like when I had Mike on the, the podcast and we were talking about it, he was me and him were saying like how much fucking fun Mercier's was just from the simple fact that like when you went out, you had your boys, you had your crew, but like, it felt like you were going out with hundreds of people at a time because like everyone was down to just get like, you know, you know, some people won't admit it, but like zero to a hundred and just getting as fucked up as possible. And then obviously like when you have so many people, you know, trying to have that level of fun at the same time, it like, it's hard not to have fun at a school like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, definitely, man. And I think like if you ask a lot of people from Mercier's, like Mercier's, the university itself didn't do a lot to like promote, you know, socializing, at least I thought like in terms of like, yeah, dude, I 100% agree. Because like if you ask most people from Mercier's, like we were the ones responsible for making it what it was like in terms of when it was spring, like, because, you know, eerie, snowy city in America as soon as there was a hint of warm weather, everyone was down to get outside, drink on the porch, drink in the backyard. Like it was all, it was all us. And it was just, that's why I love Mercier so much. Cause it was the people it wasn't even the place. Like, don't get me wrong. Erie, Pennsylvania is cheap place to drink and get fucked up. But like the best part about Mercier was the people. 
Oh, without a doubt, dude. And it's funny too, because like, yeah, I mean, you know, like we have some like funny ass stories between both of us, but like, almost in a way, like everyone that went to Mercyhurst was like a character in their own right. Like not even like just not even the boys, but like even some of the girls that like we hung out with and shit like that too. Like that's what like made the place so funny is that like everyone was like their own person. And then when you bring everyone together, it was just fucking mayhem 24 seven. Yeah. <laughs> insane. And like, I feel Mercyhurst was like mostly athletes, you know, too. So and that's just like that, like that lifestyle. Like you, you bust your ass all day at school practice. You have a game. You're not allowed to drink the night before. So like you get that moment to fucking just make every freaking. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, before we get back into like, you know, more of like a serious combo, dude, like you i will forever fucking remember some of the shit between you me and lenny because not only did we fucking have fun like outside the classroom but that we had that ethics class together and it was like me you uh cohen uh nick nick george but like when we were studying for that midterm because he told us that we have like a full page of notes and like we had a cheat sheet and we could do everything like you could you know write that write everything you need for the test like on that piece of paper and we were going to get together and make one but then when we got to Lenny's, he was just like, yeah, don't even worry about it. Like, I got I got so-and-so's cheat sheet. And so he said that everything that was on that cheat sheet first on mistake. the test. First yeah, mistake. First, yeah, first mistake we made thinking, like, that that was going to be okay. So, like, us being fucking closet degenerate, just like, all right, well, we got two hours to kill. Like, might as well smoke. And we ended up rolling, <laughs> we ended up rolling like, three or four blunts and just taking them to the face. And we walk into that exam. <laughs> not a single fucking thing that was on that review sheet was on the test and we're sitting there like look, looking at each other like oh fuck <laughs> and it was funny because like he the professor knew too like he 100 percent knew because i had like like i was like had the paper above my head looking at it like i'm <laughs> fucking looking through looking through a fucking telescope trying to find a shooting star and then and then lenny's sitting there like looking around no idea what's going on and i think you like we're like leaning over your desk, like looking at the sheet. And like, we looked like, we just were so fucking lost. And then that girl, that one girl that took the class super seriously, like she finished yeah. in like 20 minutes and we all looked at each other and we're like, we're like whispering to each other. We're like, yo, what page are you on? And we're, we're not even through like the first fucking 10 questions. <laughs> that might've been, that might've been the funniest thing that's ever happened in a classroom at Mercier's. Cause dude, that girl caught up and, all of our we looked at each other like instantaneously like as soon as like you heard her get out of her desk i just we like our heads jolted and looked at each other like what the fuck oh man that was hilarious dude what like literally i was a member sitting on the end and like you said dude i looked over and like you got the paper in the air looking like you're trying to decode the fucking like you're nicholas cage trying to decode and find this lost artifact Lenny's freaking Lenny just like is giving up at this point. I I remember like he was just like he was just circling shit just because he wanted it to be over, and dude, that was that was the best that was one of the best moments in in a classroom in Mercier's for sure. And then going off that too when Lenny was giving his presentation because it was like towards the end towards finals and like oh I forgot I mean, about those yeah and you were he was doing he was doing his his thing was on bestiality. And you obviously like, cause we always smoked before class, like fucking idiots <laughs> and fucking, 
dude, you you busted out laughing like you tried to catch yourself, and it's dead quiet in class. And Lenny just stops and he's like, "Hey, Mike, um, you you got any questions? <laughs> you you want to say something?" <laughs> and dude, you were just like sitting there. And you're like, "No, no." He's like, "Oh, okay. Like I'm sure you have something to say. Like just say it." <laughs> Dude, I remember, like, walking in late one time. I think I walked in late, too, during this presentation. Like, I remember him leaving yeah. early to go set up the PowerPoint and stuff. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to, like, hit one more. And I walk in that class, like, 15 minutes late, like, just absolutely zoned out. And <laughs> Lenny just calls on me instantaneously. Fuck. I was like, that, that like, he had to have known, that professor. I don't even know what his name was. But he was, he was definitely freaking cool for not kicking us out. No, dude, and he knew all the time because he, like, um, I remember asking him. I went through his office hours. I was just like, yo, like, because we, I know, I don't know about you guys, but I bombed that midterm. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I asked him, I was like, yo, is this going to, like, affect my grade in the class? Like, obviously it will, but, like, am I going to be able to still pass? And he's like, dude, if you do better on the final, like, I'm going to drop the midterm. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, before I was walking out, he's like, he's like, Mr. Antonio, I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he goes, you know thank you for coming to my class because I know you guys are not paying attention. And then he like, and then he like squinted his eyes at me and I'm like, Oh fuck dude. He knows. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he knows he, but he was just like, yo, like he's like, you guys are respectful in class. Like you guys don't bother me. So like, whatever, just make sure you still come to class and make sure you study for the final. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, what a homie. Yeah. He was a, uh, he was a huge beauty for sure. Yeah. Um, Actually now it's, it's funny. funny like, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. Continue with what you're saying. No, it's funny because that made me like think of like funny moments in class. Cause I never really thought about that before, but I don't know if you know this, but like, here's another like weed story. That's going to friggin' follow me for the rest of my life. But I was in a human physiology lab and I walked in, I didn't know what we were doing that day. And I was just fucking woke up, smoked a joint that morning on my way to class. Cool ass professor. And my lab partner is Kristen Hamilton. And we're, like, doing blood glucose levels where we're, like, pricking our finger and, like, putting our blood in these tubes. And I'm sitting there ripped out of my mind, dude. And the professor just keeps using the adjective or the verb milk. Milk your finger and and (laughs) milk the blood into the tube. And I literally, dude, my eyes roll back. I fucking pass the fuck out. Like after pricking my finger and I smash my back on like the lab desk, got like a huge cut on my back and I'm feeling like I'm in a dream. And I don't like to hear people like, like Mike, Mike. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? I open my eyes, dude. And the entire class is like hovering over top of me looking. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Kristen Hamilton's like yelling at me. She's like, I thought you were fucking joking. You scared the shit out of me. Like, I was like, no, like, I just fucking smashed my back. I end up, like, asking the professional, like, hey, like, can I just, like, go? He's like, no, no, like, it happens to, like, at least one person a semester. So, like, you're fucking good, but, like, just tough it out. And now, dude, I'm telling you, every time I go get a freaking needle or have to get blood work, I have to, like, be laying down because I fucking pass out. It's fucked. That's so fucking funny, dude. <laughs> the, uh, to go off, like, one last, one last weed story, because that's not the point of this podcast, but, like... <laughs> dude when you guys were in lauderdale in miami for spring break oh, right? it was that's lauderdale the ultimate miami, that's but, the ultimate story yeah dude this one's the best like i was i was down in um i was downtown buffalo like helping my buddy joe like 
do shit on campus because he was at Canisius and uh, we went to go grab we went to go grab tacos afterwards. And I just get it. I had like two missed calls from Lenny. And then I had he texted me and he was like, yo, give me a, he's like, bro, give me a call when you can. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'll call you later. Why? He goes, no, like, call me right now. He's like, Scooby-Doo got the Renzo. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, Scooby-Doo got the Renzo. Like, did you get, like, attacked by a dog? And so I call Lenny, like, almost, like, kind of, like, freaking out. I'm like, yo, what's good? Is this guy good? Like, he cool. And he's just like, dude, he goes, this fucking clown rolling up a J on a beach and a fucking canine dog <laughs> uh, fucking sniffed him out. <laughs> and I, I immediately hung up because it clicked in my head, like, why he said Scooby-Doo got you. And I was, I literally spit my food out and I was in tears laughing for oh like my. a good five minutes <laughs> just because of like how he did it. And I could just picture like how it went down. Like you were just sitting there, dog rolls up on you and you immediately knew you're just like, fuck. I was, yeah. And then like, and then obviously not being, not being American, like you, like you royally got fucked on that. Yeah, dude, that would, that ended up being way more of a hassle than it really needed to be. Um, but it came at the price of having like a pretty freaking golden story to tell because that shit just like the way it all unfolded was like, like a movie. It was fucked. So yeah, like, um, <laughs> it's funny too. Cause like, this is, this is like when people ask me like what Mercier's was like, like all my friends back home in Canada, like, yo, how was the States? How was it? Blah, blah, blah. Like, this is usually the story I tell because it's, it's just like, it encapsulates everything perfectly. So, you know, we're in spring break 2017. We're down at Fort Lauderdale. And we got, like, some massive house. And it's a good group of people. Like, we got, like, me, Lenny. We got the Irish boys. We got, like, Reek. All the fucking football boys. Polanski, those guys. And um, then there was, like, another two houses of people. Like, George and his the club hockey boys had a house. And then I remember, like, the girls had a house. Like, Carly, Rohana, all those girls. So, it was it was a time. You know what I mean? And... The whole week's going by and it's like classic spring break, like movie shit where we're having pool parties, people jumping off the roof. You're just fucking drunk all day. Then you go fucking have dinner and you hit the clubs and, you know, you fucking stay up till the sun's coming up. And it's just it's unreal. Uh, so last day we're fucking on uh, Hollywood Beach or whatever it's called. And. and I remember we had one of the one of the freshman boys drive down um, with some weed. So we had like an ounce for the week. And every day I would roll up a couple of joints, you know, all ready to go. And then we'd smoke them at the beach. Well, it was the last day and I only had, you know, literally I had like a joint left. And it was just busted up, went down to the beach. And we're starting to drink. And I'm just chilling, like vibe into the music. And... Uh, the fucking this dog comes behind me out of fucking nowhere, bro, and just goes ham. And guys fucking put me in cuffs. He like searches my bag. And like what I really think they thought is like I had like a bare amount of weed on me, but they couldn't find anything else. So like literally this is it. I'm like, yeah, that's it. So I'm feeling good. They're bringing me back to the car. They're writing me up, whatever. They take my ID and the cops are like joking with me. You know, I'm pulling the joke. I got the cuffs on. Like, girls are walking by. I'm like, hey, like, you like bad girl or you like bad boys? And like, you know, I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm trying to get these cops to fucking just let me go. And I'm like, yo, this is good. They're laughing, blah, blah, blah. 
And I turn, I end up asking the dude, I'm like, hey, man, like, what, what's going on here? Like, am I fucking going to get in shit? And he's like, honestly, man, the guy writing up your ticket is like the oldest guy on the force. And he's just like the biggest hard ass. And if it was one of us who wrote you up, we probably would have just let you go right now. I'm like, oh, fuck. So this dude comes back from the car with my Canadian ID and he's like, oh, you're not a resident here. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I have a resident. Like, I had my address in Erie. I'm like, but no, I'm not a citizen. He's like, oh, okay, well, this is going to fucking suck for you. And I was like, fuck. So he fucking puts me in the back of the cop car. I'm asking one of the other cops. I'm like, yo, is this really that bad? He's like, nah, man, you'll be out in a few hours, guarantee. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I was like, sitting in the back of the cop car. They drive me to the station. We go to, like, this one facility. And they take all my, like... They take all my possessions and shit, but it, it felt like a holding, like a holding cell. I was like, oh, fuck, this doesn't look good. So they take me out and I'm thinking I'm going home. No, I go back in the cop car. They take me to Broward County Jail, the fucking place where Kodak Black is arrested at the time. And I'm feeling like, oh, man, like I just got myself into some shit. So like, dude, it's fucked. They go in there. You take off all your clothes and they literally make you squat and cough in front of like some big fucking security dude. And like, I'm like fresh from the beach. I'm wearing a Blue Jays jersey, not buttoned up. I got a bathing suit on and flip flops. And this dude's like, yeah, just fucking take it all off, buddy. And I'm like, it's <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, really? Like right here? He's like, yeah, right here. So I fucking turn around. I take all my shit off. And he's like, all right, turn around. And I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, and the door is open to this room. So, like, people on the outside could definitely look in. And I'm like, really, man? He's like, yeah, turn around. I have to turn around. He's like, okay, fucking squat and cough. I was like, what? He's like, <laughs> he's like no, like, I'm, I'm dead fucking serious. I was, I was all right. Dad, you know, then they give you your scrubs. Fucking, they give you a tray of food. Fucking a bologna sandwich and a fucking apple and then some applesauce. And I was like, fuck, like, yo, this is actually <laughs> fucked. So I'm in the holding cell, and it's literally I'm the only white dude in there. And I'm just getting grilled by everyone until this one massive black dude sitting beside me. He's like, yo, you going to eat that? And, like, I had my fucking applesauce, like, nut touch. And I was like, nah, man, this is all you. You want it? He's like, yeah, 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 I'll take it. I was like, yeah, no problem. So. Then he turns around and asks me, he's like, yo, by the way, what the fuck are you in here for? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, smoking a joint on the beach, man. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, that's it? And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. He's like, shit, pothead, you got to watch yourself when you be smoking, pothead. For the rest of the time I was in that jail cell, that dude called me pothead. So, like, we would get, like, fucking food. And, like, he's like, yo, you going to eat that pie? I'm like, nah, this, this one's for you, man. And, like, people are always like, yo, what was that? Like, did you ask him, like, what the fuck he was in there for? I'm like, nah, nah. Like, I feel like the less you know, the better in that situation. And I was just trying to keep my head down and, like, not fucking piss anyone off. Um, so, yeah, you fucking, it was ridiculous. Then I get, like, a phone call, right? Like, they let me, you get one credit to make a phone call. So I go up to the pay phone, try to call my fucking parents, and it's like, oh, this phone does not make international calls. So I'm like, oh, fuck, like, I'm actually dead. Like, I'm literally dead. It's fucking over. 
Um, so in the jails, like it's all on like a schedule, right? Like whenever like the guards fucking change shifts, like they lock up, whatever. Anyways, I caught the schedule nice and they opened up these holding cells for a brief second to let more people in. So I ran out and I went to the lady at the front desk and she starts yelling, like, you ain't supposed to be here. But I'm like, I'm like, no, no, please. Like, give me like two minutes to explain my situation. I'm like, I'm from Canada. The phone's not letting me fucking call home. Like, can you please let me use another phone? And she's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, you can use the, the front desk phone here, but you got to put it on speakerphone because it's not tapped. Because I guess they record all the fucking phones like the inmates get to make, right? Yeah. So yeah. she's like, I got to make sure this is on speakerphone. I was like, fuck. I was like, all right, no, whatever. Call my dad. I said, hey, what's up, man? I said, yeah, nothing, man. Uh, like, so like, don't, don't get mad or anything, but like, I'm in jail right now. And he's like, what the fuck? He's like, what the fuck did you do? Blah, blah, blah. He started to go off. And he's like, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, listen, like, you're on speakerphone in front of the whole fucking jail right now. Like, let's just figure this shit out. And then, like, we'll you deal with it later or whatever. Like, okay, okay. Like, so I gave him, I think, like, Fruit Loops number or Dick Smith's number. Because I couldn't. I was like, Lenny's not going to fucking deal with this. Like, he's definitely, like, blacked out. So I freaking give, uh, give him Fruit Loops number. And he does everything bro like god bless shout out fruit loops shout out fruit loops absolute gem and um he fucking so we were leaving the next day so he canceled our flight booked us new flights packed all my shit up from the fucking the place we were staying at like met me at jail bailed me out like the dude is absolute legend and yeah dude fucking spent the night with like some crackhead sleeping above me like, <laughs> fuck, man. I got out of jail, started bawling my eyes out, fucking calling my parents. And, like, it was really profound because at the end of it all, like, they weren't ripping me on for going to jail. Like, they actually were proud of me because of, like, the friends I had. And, like, they were just super proud. They're like, hey, like, we're glad that you hang around people that, like, give a shit about you and, like, would go through all this to help you out. And uh, so we're proud of you for that. And, dude, it was, like... It was insane. Like, it just changed my mood completely. And I remember fucking through. I'm like, yo, we're going to Miami. And we fucking busted. Uh, we had a day, right? Because our flight got changed. We motherfucking Ubered that shit yeah. to Miami. We stayed on South Beach. And we fucking just partied all night. And came home the fucking next morning. And it actually made the trip just, like, super memorable. Like, such, like, a good story. Fucking shitty situation. But, like the way that my parents reacted was just, it meant a lot. You know what I mean? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, it's like going off what your parents said. Like, I know like that's something um, that, you know, I fucking love to hear because like, that's something that like, my mom has like said to me, like when she came to Mercyhurst for graduation and she got to meet everyone, like that was one of the first things that uh, she said to me was like, she was just saying like, she's proud that like I surround myself with you know, people that actually like give a fuck about me and like, that like if I ever was in some shit that would be there just as like a true genuine friend being like, yo, like I'm not letting you go down solo. Yeah. Like I'm here for you, which shout out fucking poor. Cause like you said, beauty, nothing. You can't, you can't say no, a bad really thing about that man. Guy. That guy's a gentle giant. No. And, and I, uh, he's a fucking, yeah, man. I miss that guy. Dear. I haven't seen him since school. Motherfuckers back in potato land. Uh, 
Yeah, I know. I saw him, um, you know, obviously, like, it's not the it's not the situation I wanted to see him in. But like, I saw him at Lenny's dad's wake. And uh, just the second I saw him, he's got that big old Irish smile. And he's just just like, he's like, how are we doing? I, I can't even do the accent. But he's just like, how are we doing? And he, he you know, he gives you a big hug. And you're just yeah. like, bro, what is good? Like, te- like, he's definitely top five, like yeah, all time yeah. humans. Like, he's just like yeah. you said, a gentle giant. But um you know, go, getting back, that's, yeah, that's definitely a fucking, that's a, that's probably the best story that I've had on this podcast so far. Like, that shit is, dude, and you, you we were all, like, I remember, like, Lenny sent me the link to your mugshot, <laughs> and I was like, and Lenny's like, yo, let's get, I said to him, I was like, do we make t-shirts and hoodies? And he's like, no, that's actually fucked, that's, like, taking it too far. But, like, dude, I literally... I said to him, I was like, yo, we should make free Dorenzo tees and like, come up with his bail money. And he's like, you're a fucking idiot. Because by the time you did all that, he he's out of jail. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. I'm, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Dude, the bad. funniest thing was like, you know, like, take your phone when you go in there. So, like, whatever. I think I spent 26 hours and they took my phone. So, as soon as I got out, you know, you check, you check social media, you're checking texts. And, like, that mugshot picture was all over Snapchat. Like, my ass didn't even get out of jail yet, and Lenny already sent that to everyone. Like, <laughs> dude, I think it's the funniest. Like, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, gen- I know some people get offended and get like turned off by it. But like, I genuinely think that like the best type of friends are the ones that are going to be ride and die for you. But at the same time, they will not hesitate hesitate to take like the most like single moment 100%. to roast your ass and expose you but it's like but all it's love. all out of love though it's not like pick it, yeah it's all love like it's like oh you did something motherfucker yeah, yeah. i'm exposing your ass to the world because oh, i think it's funny the, the fun, it's funny but, to say that because like it just goes again like who the who was the one who hooked me up with the lawyer in fort lauderdale to deal with all this shit fucking after i got out it was fucking lenny and his dad Right, so the same dude who fucking was roasting mm-hmm. my ass before I even got out of there was the guy who ended up fucking set me up with the help I needed. You know what I mean? So it just absolutely, uh, yeah, man. Those are the those are the people you want to keep around you because you know it's hard to find fucking people like that who give a shit. Yeah, and that's the thing is just like that and. I mean, we've talked about this too, like having friends like that, like nowadays, dude, we're fucking loyalty and, you know, being ride or die is just fucking out the window. Like to have someone that's loyal like that to you, like yeah, you keep those 100%. friends around forever. And that's why I like to back in this whole COVID. Show, now, like, uh, that's just like one of the social parts that was fucking me up. Cause like, you know, I usually make a trip every month, two months to go see the boys, you know, because, you know. Yeah, you're, you're there, usually like, dude, in Buffalo for, a lot. For me, it's what, like two, two and a half hour drive. Like for me to go pull up for a weekend and see everyone, I, it means the absolute world to me. So, yeah, dude, that's uh, been some one other shit, shitty thing that this whole fucking, uh, I know, whatever. But we weren't going to talk about that, right? Because fucking. <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, going back to Mercyhurst, you know, like kind of transitioning from that, but like. You know, with your soccer experience, if you know, because I know like you're into coaching and you're into like the, you know, um, personal training and shit like that with some, mm-hmm. you know, younger kids and that. Like, if you had a kid, if you know, you have a kid that coming up to you and is like, "Hey, Coach Mike, like, you know, I kind of want to follow in your footsteps and I want to get, I want to play college soccer and you know, I want to get a scholarship and shit like that." Like, what advice like would you have for that kid? Like, you know, based on like your experience and everything you know now, like, what what are what are some things you would tell um... that kid? First thing, I don't think it's ever too early to, like, to start. 
Like, even if you're, like, you're a freshman in high school mm-hmm. or, like, you're not even in high school yet and, like, you have, like, and you're already thinking of this idea of, like, you want to go somewhere, just start. Like, just start doing your own due diligence, right? Like, look at schools. Look at programs you want to go play for, whether you want to go D1, D2. Like, and then just start getting your name out there, too. You know what I mean? Like, social media is a huge – it's huge now. Like, and that was kind of just starting when we were – you know, coming out of high school, like Instagram was finally starting getting big. Like, so, but now it's just massive. And like, if you can get your boys to come, like, make you know some fil- like film clips of you during your games, like you get like a kid that you know who's like super good at graphic design or like video editing to make you like a fucking promo clip or and just posting it everywhere. Like, it's like anything else, right? Like, you got to work. You got to work for it and you just got to like use the environment and like the current state of everything to your advantage. Um, That would be my huge advice. And then like, and for any other sport, it's just like, you got to put the time in. Like if you want to play soccer at D1, you want to play D1 lacrosse, D1 football, like you got to be doing everything you need to be doing. Like you got to live, you got to live the life before you get it. And like, that's something I can credit my dad to like instilling in me. Right. Cause there was, him being the coach, I didn't miss a practice. I didn't miss, you know, the fitness night. I didn't miss, you know, any games. We were at every tournament. I was playing every minute I could. And then when I'd get home, you know, he's got me in the backyard doing shit. And I was at school, recess, you're fucking, you're ripping it. Like, you just got to, it's, and you can't teach that, right? Like, you can't teach that passion or that, that like, will. But Not at that's all. That's what it takes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyone can get good at anything. You're, everyone sucks at something, you know, at the beginning. But if you put time and effort and uh, you're consistent, you can get good at anything. Absolutely. Um, now, <clears throat> one last thing I want to ask you, because I'm always fascinated by, like, what people say about it. But um, one thing that I don't uh, I don't think a lot of kids are put on to, especially I wasn't, and I kind of struggled with it when I was playing at Hobart and then – it wasn't the case for me at Mercyhurst because at Mercyhurst, I was just a lazy fuck and I was just like coasting it because like I had that like entitled mentality of like, all right, I play D1. I'm coming to a D2 school like I'm going to like Coach Ryan was just like, you know, you're going to play right away. And, you know, I kind of dropped the ball because I made a promise to him that I would perform. And then obviously I didn't. And, you know, it led me to getting kicked off the team. But like the one thing I look back at Hobart and I say like and not even Hobart, but just like any level of sports in general is that like once you get to college, bro, it's it's no like, yes, it's fun, but it's no longer for fun. Like it's a business and it's and it's man up next mentality. So it's just like your spot is always like doesn't matter if you were an All-American last year, like your spot is always like being watched because like a coach at the end of the day if they don't win, they're not going to keep their job. They're going to get fired by the university. So like the coach is like only going to play kids that are doing their job. So like from that aspect, oh, like, what are your thoughts I think on that? You fucking hit that spot on, man. That was like, it was a huge wake up call getting to the college level. Um, Cause you go from being mm-hmm. like the best in your area. And then, you know, as your team, like in Ontario, that it, the way it works is like through promotion or like it used to. Um, so you used to like play the teams in your area, you win that league, you get to go to like the bigger area and then eventually you're playing everyone in the province. And, you know, once you make your way up there and you're fucking still winning, you know, you feel nice and you're used to, you know, playing every minute of every game and being the guy who's like relied on, 
right? And it feels comfy. And then as soon as you get to the college level and you're like, fuck, I got to prove myself all over again to a bunch of these guys who don't know me, and especially on the soccer team, are from around the world. And as a soccer player, for sure, like in North America, when you think of like soccer players in, you know, fucking Germany and Italy and Spain, Honduras, like you're thinking like, man, this is like those guys live, fucking breathe soccer like as a culture so like these guys are probably like real as fuck and a lot of them were you know um one of the reasons why i chose mercy is because we were such a good program like the year before i went there freshman year they made like a final four appearance you know so i knew i was stepping into something but like it doesn't hit you until you get you know that first week of training and you're like oh fuck like i'm middle of the pack if that right now you know what i mean so mm-hmm. but, absolutely you know, it was awesome i freshman year especially we were still like dominant one piece acts um we had a good fucking um ranking nationally we were headed to the um national tournament and i just so happened that the right back uh stan who was a fucking phenomenal player and a phenomenal dude uh he was from sweden he ended up having some like ankle injury that took him out for pretty much the whole season I think I got to start 18 games freshman year and I was part of like, you know, we had like the lowest goals against average and the PSAC and it was good. I was playing right back and that made me fucking probably elevated my game as a player the most in the shortest amount of time, just because every practice you're like, okay, like I actually, I need, I need to make use of all of this time to get better because I knew myself in the game that I wasn't, I wasn't up to the standard yet. I just had an opportunity and you just appreciate it way more. And so like, you know, it, it came to a cost of like a better player not being able to play, but like, you know, when the coach puts trust in you to step up, you got to like take advantage of that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Now, you know, before we transition from like the whole soccer aspect, um what is if there is anything like what's something that like outside of like the whole like when you get to college like it's no longer for fun it's like it's a business and it's a machine but outside of that like what is what is the number one thing that if there is anything you walked you know when you got to Mercyhurst and started playing soccer there that you were just absolutely not prepared for that you know kind of not blindsided you but just like you know made you think like oh fuck like I, I wasn't expecting that was there anything? I'm just trying to think back to like whether it's and not not to cut you off. Whether it was managing um, being a student athlete, whether it was just how competitive practices were, you know how intense the conditioning mm-hmm. is. Like it could be no, anything. I definitely. Uh, yeah, like preseason was obviously intense. Like the first preseason, like freshman year preseason, especially when you like you don't expect, you have no expectations, you don't really know what's coming. Like, and especially as a freshman, like I was fucking Uh just turning 18 and, you know, and I was always like really like a fit player. Like I always, you know, in terms of fitness and like fitness testing, I always did well. So like, I wasn't really nervous. It was just, it's grueling that first like year. Cause you're playing, you know, two a days fucking for two weeks straight and it's, it's grueling. And, like, you also don't have – like, there's no one else on campus. You're fucking pretty much going to – waking up, practice, eating, sleeping, waking up again, practice, eating, sleeping, and then you do it all again the next day. So, like, 
yeah, dude, that was a big shock for sure. Was the was the first preseason, and then like socially, I would just think like reinventing yourself again, especially for me. Like I knew, you know, just Ali pretty much. Like everyone else was fucking. I was mm-hmm. some foreign kid, some Canadian kid, new city, right, new country, and I was just like, how the fuck do I reinvent myself? And like, how do I, you know, because I went from being like a decently popular guy in hosp- in high school, and you know, you come and then you like you start at the bottom mm-hmm. of the totem pole again. So like, yeah, it was uh, that was a big shock for me too, just trying to figure it out. Yeah, and I definitely think it's uh, like I don't know how you feel about this, but kind of going off what you're saying about like um being decently like well known in high school and shit is that it's like. It, you do have to reinvent yourself because like people you meet in college are nothing like how people are back home. So it's like, you almost have to like, when you're going away to school, it's like you become a new person, but you're not, you don't like, obviously you don't stray away from like who you are, like at your core of a person, but you like become someone else be, in the sense that like to make friends, you have to like grow yeah. in that uncomfortable situation. Like, I don't know if a lot of people really notice or, recognize that like even though canada and the u.s are fucking right next to each other similar cultures like there's a lot of differences between you know american kids and like my growing up and i don't know if it was because like toronto is like a massive city so like i had that kind of experience but like it was even but even like slang you guys use and different like mannerisms like it's all it was really it was a culture shock for me i had to like adjust for sure Yeah, no. And that's, that's the thing. It's just, just like, uh, that's why I wanted to ask you. I mean, we touched on it earlier about like, you know, cause I was always fascinated by like, yo, you have like good colleges in Canada. So like, what, what was it that made you come to America? But, you know, um, you know, and getting, you know, carrying on that with like the whole school aspect, like you, you were doing biology as your major. And then you ultimately like right now you're a teacher. Did you, did you stay doing biology and then get your master's in teaching or like, how did that, um, like, how did you end up being you know what? Teacher? in high school? I had a really good time. Like, I, I don't know if you know, but I went to like an all guys high school here in Toronto, um, uh, in the beaches, beautiful area. And I just had a great high school experience. Like it was, it was really fun. And it wasn't just because like the school was good, like, and like the grades and the academic part, like, it was just the whole culture of the, like, the all-guy school. Like, it was like a frat. And, like, it was a brotherhood for sure. You know what I mean? And, uh-huh. yeah, the teachers at that high school, half of them were alumni. So, there was, like, a lot of pride when you went to, like, Neil McNeil. And, like, my dad went to Neil. And all his buddies went to Neil. So, it was, like, it was a big deal. And I didn't want to go there at first. And I, last minute, I ended up changing my mind. And it was, like, the best decision. And I still hang out with, you know, the brothers, like my boys from high school to this day. And we're still super close. So I kind of always wanted to be a teacher because of that experience in high school. And like my ultimate goal is to fucking make it back to Neil and uh, and, and teach. Um, so and it's funny you say, like, how did you choose biology? Like I knew I wanted to teach and I wanted to teach gym, but like everyone and their mom wants to teach gym. So I needed something like more. So I ended up taking bio over kin because at least with bio, uh-huh. it opened me up to teach like sciences, biology, chemistry. Like now I'm qualified to teach all that stuff. 
And it just made me like more valuable as a teacher, like more marketable. And I found like a lot of success, like having those subjects has like progressed me pretty far in my short career so far. Yeah, that's dope. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I definitely know what you mean by that. Um, and like, what is like, now that you're teaching, like, I know we, we talk, we, you know, we've been shooting the shit back and forth via text message and shit like that. Um, and like, that was something that got brought up, but like, if you were in charge of writing the curriculum, um, what would be, and obviously like everything you say is not going to be, you know, because it's just like certain things need to be taught to kids obviously but like if it was like your school you're the principal or not even the principal you're the uh, superintendent like and you got to choose the curriculum like what are things that um, you would be teaching that you think are valuable for kids to know and learn and understand that you necessarily don't find Mm -hmm. that Um, they're teaching in school well unfortunately right now like it's not even the curriculum's fault it's kind of just like covid's fault like i see on a first-hand basis every day man like these uh-huh. kids they've taken all the good shit about school the social socialization the sports the extracurriculars the clubs like all the stuff where you actually like learn valuable lessons for the rest of your life like that's all been removed and it's like been distilled down to strictly curriculum which you know like has its purpose and i get that but like it, dude realistically like what the fuck do you do you remember like, you don't remember every small detail from class from high school like you know what i mean like most of the math you learned you probably don't remember no. like, if i were to give you a fucking grade 11 math quiz you probably like you probably have to think about it for a little while like you know what i mean like and oh 100%. it's just shitty that like these kids now like don't know how to socialize they're fucking wearing their masks they're afraid of everything you know, like they're always like they're so reliant on instruction. Now I've like you tell a kid to do something and it's like if you don't tell them specifically what to do, like it's like they're lost. And it's just like it's just sad because like you don't you learn that through like having an engaging environment. And that starts with like the moment you walk in and you're walking through the halls and you could dap up your boys or you could fucking see that girl you kind of like and you want to go talk to her. Like all that shit is just gone now. You know what I mean? And like, that's like the, Mm -hmm. that's the worst part is like the effect it's having in my work environment because like teaching in 2019 to teaching in 2021 is two completely different things, you know? And it's like, honestly, it's tough. It's like, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's tough to go to work because like, you're not, I'm not doing it for what I wanted to do it anymore. Like now it just feels like a job right now where like before it's like, yo, I want to like give the kids the experience I had. You know, I want to try to make an experience for them. And it's like, you can't because all these restrictions, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And do you think like kind of going back to what you're saying about how like, you know, kids, kids need to be told um, exactly what to do. I actually heard, and I'm not going to go too into it. I'm just going to touch on a little bit. I actually heard um, Nick Saban, he was given a press conference and he was basically saying that like, if you don't like tell a kid exactly what to do and exactly how to do it they won't get it done because like the independent thinking and like the initiative to Mm. be more resourceful and figure shit out is just completely out the window and he was talking about how he thinks that pretty much and, and it was like two separate interviews that i heard and i'm just piecing together like what he was essentially saying and he was essentially saying that like social media is good but like social media is like 
you know, kind of like fucks with kids' heads and like gets mm-hmm. people like because like we were talking about, like you're endlessly scrolling and like you're being desensitized and you're not really thinking like you just see an image or video or something and then you're like, oh, okay, that's how it is. And he was also saying that there's a lot of kids nowadays. Um, he sees more at like the high school level, not not any kids that like he's recruiting because he said he doesn't allow that shit. But like he says, you'll see kids where like they're more focused on like making themselves look good than mm-hmm. actually like put in the work to be good. So like, is that something that like you see like with students at all? Or yeah, like, I don't you, know. You have I to say like, like in response to like that. I feel like if you really enjoy doing something or like. I think it all comes from like curiosity at first, like curiosity sparks interest, right? Cause you want to figure something out. And I just don't uh-huh. think that like most teachers don't make school interesting or they They don't allow for that curiosity to like spark an interest. So like kind of relating back to your question, like what I would change in a curriculum. Like I think like giving kids just time to, research or get good at something they like you know what i mean and i actually i know a teacher um she teaches grade eights um you know like so middle school going into high school and she gives like i forget if it was an hour a day where it's called like genius hour and like kids just get to work on whatever they want for an hour like she was telling me like one kid learned how to freaking speak german one kid learn how to build websites, one kid's making music, you know what I mean? And like through that, like through figuring out how to make a website, you're getting, you know, your language, right? You're learning how to like write stuff down and put it on the website. You're learning how to program. Like there's just so many skills that come from just being interested in something, you know, if that like makes any sense. And I think that she actually took it from Google. So like Google allows their employees like one hour or whatever a day just to work on whatever passion project they have. And that's like how Gmail and all these other like pro- like apps and products they, you know, they sell. That's how like they're made. So it's I thought it was like a really cool idea. And like when I do get back into like having my own class, it's definitely something I want to like incorporate. Yeah, no. And like going off that, I had a high school teacher my senior year, uh, Mr. Athemus. And it's funny because this dude was just like, like he just, it was almost like rules didn't fucking apply to this guy. Like he showed up in fucking like uh, the Birkenstocks, (laughs) ripped jeans, little Hawaiian t-shirt. He had the long, like the long, like uh, wavy hair and he would do everything. It was either every Thursday or every Friday for the Mm -hmm. entire year. He would do this thing called the truth circle and we would put the desks in a circle and you can ask anything. But the, the only rule was, is that like, if you talk about truth circle outside the class or it gets back to him, he then the, it's never happening again. And like, he legit mm-hmm. was just like, you can ask anything. You can ask like me anything. And like, it, like, I'm not going to bring up some of the topics we talked about, but like, that was the first time that like I ever had a teacher that really was like pushing, mm-hmm. like being open-minded and pushing the curiosity for life um, through us. And it's funny because he all gave us as like a graduation gift. He made us, um, yeah. he gave us a book called the alchemist, which we've talked about this and like how powerful that book is because like Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, 
Kobe Bryant was saying that book is the book that had the most impact on his life and like really got him to like, you know, chase it after his dream and like all that shit. And I didn't read it until I got, until I was in Mercyhurst, like right after I got kicked off the lax team. And I just, I don't know if it was like destiny or what, but like I was cleaning out my closet and it just like fell from the top rack and hit me in the head. And I looked at Mm -hmm. it and I'm like, Oh fuck. Like Mr. Theme is giving this, like, let me read it. And like that book itself, like, you know, kind of contributing to Kobe's point, like just completely like, I I don't want to say like changed my life, but like it gave me a whole new like perspective on life. And like, that's kind of like why I always bring this up with like people that I know are teachers is just like, you know, I always am like curious, like if you could teach the class yourself and like, you didn't have to, you know, teach solely the curriculum, like what are things you would teach? Because like, he was so like anti, not establishment, but he was just very like, he would like to sprinkle in like a little shit like that because he knew that like, just being told and instructed 24 seven doesn't actually cultivate mm-hmm. any type of open mindedness and curiosity for life. And so like, that is something that like I'll forever remember. And so like, I, you know, yeah, I know man. you're very similar I, I in that way. That so it's definitely something I want to bring up to get to a point with a class like that is just building trust with them. Right. Like they got to be able to, they got to be able to fuck with you and you know, and the best way to do that is just be real. Yeah. Like, you know, and I had like, when I first got hired and I would see like student teachers, you know, like in school and they're looking at me like, yo man, you're like young. Like, how'd you, how are you already teaching? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, like I like, you know, you just, you got to make relationships and like, it's just like anything else in life. Like you got to be able to work with colleagues. You got to be able to connect with your student. Right. Like you got to, I think about it every day is like, I'm going to give a present, like I'm going to like perform. And like, I got to perform to the audience. So like, I got to make it relatable to kids. You know what I mean? You got to be able to like use their lingo. You got to be able to see things through their perspective. And like, you know, like a lot of these teachers who, you know, are older and they don't keep up. Like, it's tough. It's tough to relate. And I hate to say it, but like, there's still teachers using fucking those clear slides that was on like the projector screen, like from fucking 2005 you know, in their lesson. And it's just like, man, like kids don't learn like that anymore. You know what I mean? Or like, there's more to just lecturing and making kids copy shit down and, you know, studying for tests. Like you got to help them build habits. Like you use the curriculum as your medium to build habits. And if you could, if I could like, you know, a kid leaves my class at the end of the semester and like, you know, knows how to, you know, the, the, the work ethic that it takes to be successful into something and like get better at something like that will be uh, like, I'm more than happy, whatever grade he or she gets, like, as long as you could take something from me, like, and use it past the outside of the classroom, you know? Yeah. And I, I feel fortunate enough. Cause like, I've had so many teachers and like, we touched on this, like I've had so many teachers and professors in my life that like, have taught the class that way whether it was like you know they they obviously were teaching the curriculum and then they sprinkled in a little shit that would like make Mm -hmm. you be curious and be like wait a second and like engaged you so like that's and and that's why like i genuinely feel like i don't know how you feel i mean you probably feel the same way as me because you're a teacher but like i um like i genuinely genuinely feel like at the bottom of my heart that like the teaching is one of those jobs that it's a selfless job. It doesn't get the respect it deserves and it's grossly, grossly underpaid position. And I think that's complete bullshit because 
if you if because you know like if you have a good teacher or a good professor mm-hmm. it can impact your life for literally the rest of your life like not trying to sound corny but like you know like you had teachers like that so like that's the only reason that like I, that's where I get off on like the whole like I think teachers are underpaid and I think it's like um a extremely valuable position that like as like society yeah. as a whole like a lot and of people like don't like give it know, the respect it's a little that bit it better deserves here in Canada in terms of pay um but it's very like it's all unionized mm-hmm. here which unfortunately allows for you know not mm-hmm. so great teachers to stay in the system and to be responsible for kids right and that's kind of the shitty part like really if you get hired on, at a school board here in toronto like it's very hard to get rid of someone uh, like they literally have to do something you know like criminal uh-huh. to to be fired and and it's it's unfortunate because you know and you can't you can't say anything right like and it's not your position to say anything but like you see that like some teachers put more effort into it than others and some teachers get more, you know, a little bit complacent once they've made it and it stops becoming about the kids and like, you know, it becomes more of just like a job, which is it's horrible. You know what I mean? And I really wish that like if I could change anything, the system would just be like having teachers more accountable um, and then you could pay them more. Like if there was like on a yearly or bi-yearly like basis where you had to get reviewed mm-hmm. by a principal or you had to like, you know, show them what what other things you're like, what curriculum you're developing, how many clubs did you start, how many teams do you coach? Like if there were some onus on teachers, then I think that one, teachers would perform better and you could be able to justify paying them more. You know what I mean? No, you're good. Absolutely, Mobby. I was taking a drink of water, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I could, I completely agree with you. That's why, I like, I like talking about this, and like, I just am always interesting because, like, I don't really have an opinion when it comes to like shit you were saying about teachers, but like, I do agree with what yeah. you were saying because it's like I'm not in that position, so like, I only like to ask questions um, in regards to it because you know I'm I'm fascinated by it, and I think that. Like, and I heard Kobe say this, and I never really actually thought about that way, but, like, Kobe Bryant was saying that he genuinely feels that the, there is a, like, the youth and, like, kids get the short end of the stick on investment, like, from society and as a whole. So, like, that's why he was, like, he loved being, you know, so engaged with kids and, like, you know, obviously coaching his daughter's team and then obviously writing children's stories about life and, like, hard lessons you can learn through sports and shit like that. So that's why I like anyone that's a teacher that, you know, I'm, I know mm-hmm. I'm always like fascinated by like what their thoughts are on like the whole system as a whole. Um, and, you know, kind of, you know, before we wrap it up here, like two things I wanted to ask you, um, if you have an opinion on it, what um, do you think? Cause I don't, I don't know. So like, I have no idea here. Like, but do you think that um, finance and money um, should be taught differently in school and do you uh, believe too. that health and food education should be <laughs> you taught know, differently in like school? 100% you like that's it's 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 so important both of those things are so important um and it's funny because you know when me and you talk and we text and stuff it's like that's all we're talking about and that's kind of like how I would describe if like, you know, uh-huh. what are you about like I'm about my health and my wealth like at this point in my life and yeah dude i really think Mm -hmm. that financial literacy and like being able to giving kids some insight on like how 
the economy actually works and you know because it's it's tough and it's scary like you get out of university and you're you know mo- on like fortunately i i don't have this but like most people are in a bunch of debt you know what i mean you get your first job you're trying to figure out taxes like it's super super overwhelming and if anything i could go back in time i would tell myself to like start earlier right and like start figuring out shit about how to save money and like you know the Mm -hmm. different like little because there's little like loopholes and tricks that you can use for for taxes and like you don't figure that out until you make a mistake you know you know what i mean and like like that's that would be a huge and i heard exactly yeah in, in the states i think it was like georgia or something like they're they're starting to incorporate you know like financial stuff and cryptocurrency education in their programming and that's fucking unreal and uh and yeah and health and wellness like dude i teach gym classes and i'm like shocked that like these kids are out of shape as like as much as they are you know like and i guess i'm biased because i was always just like fucking running around outside like since i could remember i was never sitting still but like yeah man and i really think that we need to teach them the right way and not the instagram fads that and the booty bands and shit like that you know what i mean like we need to we need we need to teach kids like actually how to train like, <laughs> booty bands <laughs> physiology like you got to give them some more insight to why they're busting their ass because like it's easy for a trainer or a teacher or whatever to do a circuit and make everyone really tired like I, anyone can do that you can jump up and down and flail your arms for long enough and you'll be tired but like if you could teach someone like some proper technique and like explain how a stimulus is happening inside their muscles or like how they're metabolic like metabolizing fats or whatever like i don't know at least i think that like if you can put some context and like hey look we're doing this because it's doing this and this is going to result from it and then the kids can be like oh okay like you know what i mean and like how to eat properly and nutrition like yeah dude i think we could we everyone everyone should be learning that not just fucking kids but like it needs to start you know just needs to start with the kids the biomechanics because like obviously we're not we could we could do another episode about that shit a different day but like but dude once i started like when i started uh Mm -hmm. like in the summers and shit like i would work out at this place called uh absolute performance which is like uh the guy that runs it there's two guys that run it there's uh paul childress he was like a power lifter and like holds like multiple like world records at like gnc events and shit like that Mm -hmm. and then there's tom corandino who he you know he's trained like pros um a lot of pros and he was like a a a trainer in like you know for some nfl teams and shit like that and he solely trained us on biomechanics and it's fucking nuts because like he used to tell me all the time he'd be like yo dude like the workouts you're doing for school like he would look at my workout plan that like was wrote up by like you know um the strength and conditioning coach or whatever and he would look at it and he's like this shit's gonna get you hurt like this shit's fucking trash he's like dude he's like tell your coach tell your coach you're doing it mark tell all your boys you're doing it but don't let don't actually do that shit that shit's gonna get you hurt and it's funny because Mm -hmm. my sophomore year i ended up tearing my quad and i did get hurt but and i'm not contributing to that type of training but like afterwards like 
he was saying like how crazy it is that it's just like when someone <laughs> suffers a major yeah. injury, like mo- 99% of people are like no. ice it, heat it and rest. And he's like, dude, you, that, that is not the way to treat an injury. Like you need to, you need to keep working it out. And then like, obviously yeah. like, training on that, like it's biomechanic, a, like it's a revelation. System, dude. It's kind of I never got hurt like, again. Once you, your eyes are open to and it. It's just, it's like, it's crazy too. You know what I mean? Like you start seeing shit online. You're like, no, man. Like why the fuck? Like you want to just like get mad at everyone. No, not like, at why, all. You know, why can't you see mm-hmm. it like me? But like, no, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. Exactly. And um, actually over quarantine, you know, with all the time I had, I really tried to like better myself. Uh, so I took a course, a biomechanics and anatomy course provided by, um, it's called N1 Education. Um, it's a, run by a guy named Coach Kasim. And he has trained bodybuilders to NFLers and NHLers, like everyone at the top level. And his whole thing is like, he's like, fuck flashy shit for Instagram. Like I'm posting real shit and his courses are expensive, but like it's, it's unmatched. Like the value that it gives you as a trainer or even as an athlete or just someone looking to get in shape, like it's unbelievable. It'll change the way, like you said, it changes the way you look at everything and you won't get hurt. You literally are training the way your body's intended to. Um, and you'll, you'll never get hurt and you'll progressively make more gains just by using the human body, the way it's intended to be used. What's fucking crazy is that like that trainer I had, he was always saying how mm-hmm. shit progressive overload systems are. And I just Googled this N one education thing. Um, and it's literally the first thing yeah. to read says progressive overload and volume. And it says extremely poor metric. <laughs> Dude, it's just, it's funny though, because like mm-hmm. it's, there's a lot of shit like, and you know, we're going to wrap it up here. We won't continue to get into it, but there's just so much shit that like, you know, you've learned from other people like this. And I've learned from other people that like, we yeah. kind of look yeah. back at all the things we were educated on. And it's just like, yo, we were taught so much bullshit that it's almost it dude it's it's almost mind-boggling and it's like in a way like again we won't get into it but like with then when you try to have your conversations like with friends about it being like yo did you know about this like immediately because it's not what they were educated on or what the mainstream thought is there's like that's some fucking gimmick that's bullshit why are you even believing that like that's fake and it's like it's kind of crazy because like when you graduate colleges i'm sure (laughs) you know and you enter the real world you kind of have to like yeah, unlearn everything, you you everything know, you and then re-educate and yourself on everything. You'll be lucky if you can use little things that you've picked up along the way as you figure everything out. Yeah, you know, it's, it's and crazy. Like, that's and like the, the best, more you learn, the like, more you realize honestly, that like, like yo, you, you actually don't know fucking shit. And once you can <laughs> just look at everything in life is I don't know shit, but that's okay because I can learn anything I want to. You know, like it's endless possibilities. You know what I mean? And like we'll have to, like we'll definitely wrap this up, but like Oh, without dude, a doubt. The, you know, oh. me and you have been talking about like, you know, the day trading and the crypto stuff, like and you know, you talk to some people and you, they look at you like you got three heads, right? Like what the fuck are you like what are you talking about? But like that was one thing I thought I would never be able to learn. Like it was just a foreign language to me. And you know, you just put some time, you find some people that like really know what they're talking about and you just act like you don't know anything because you don't and you just absorb as much as you can and like it's so it's so cool to see how much progress you can make in a short amount of time and a short amount of time is like you know six months 
but like you tell you know some people think a six months is like fuck that's a long time but like man you suck at everything when you start and it takes time to get better but like it, it gets better so like that's been like a really cool thing that like I've noticed over the like this one thing that quarantine and COVID has given me is like that perspective that like you can really honestly learn anything as long as you put time in absolutely and like that the thing is too is that like i know you're the exact same way it's like when i try to have conversations like this with friends and shit like i immediately i'm like yo i i like and sometimes i'll tell like me and you will talk and shit like that and like i even said it to you the other day like i'm like yeah you're pretty i'm like what you said to me via text like i'm not gonna <laughs> obviously say but you were just i said to you i'm like yo you're pretty fucking smart actually it's kind of funny to me and um and i'm not saying that in a bad way but it's just funny because like obviously like like we said like and, and for people that are listening, yeah. like, they won't admit it, but everyone knows. Like, if you went to Mercier's, you're a closet degenerate. Dude, you, and, yeah, and I you mean know. that in, like, like, a like a very – I mean that in a very fun and respectful way, not any, like – yeah. Yeah, so, like, it's funny to me, but, like, me and you said – like, you said to me, you're like, bro, I, I didn't think of this. Like, I had a mentor that taught me this, and I'm like, bro, I'm the same way. Like, I actually don't know shit. Yeah. I'm just regurgitating yeah, dude, information but that someone not, that is like, successful in this has told me. Like, and that's, like – People think that they have and to so, figure it out on their own. And like, actually one thing from teachers college that they tell us all the time is like, don't reinvent the wheel. Like try to get it from someone else and make it your own. And that's a hundred percent like what life is. Why do you think we record history? Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know, like it's, and that's what books were made for. Like literally some ancient dude made a book. He's like, cause this will make it easier. If, so we don't have to remember everything. We can write it down. It's like, yeah, dude, it's uh some crazy shit and like people probably think we're like high as fuck and just you know but like it's all real it's all real (laughs) yeah yeah and lastly wrapping this up because i know you got family dinner soon um last question if you could meet your younger self and at the absolute oldest you're 18 years old but you could be younger what would you tell yourself about like life in general just just like based on experiences you've had and shit I could just like recall, you know, instances in my life where I didn't do something because I was worried about what someone else thought or like what my parents thought or like making them happy. Like, and I would just say, just fucking do it. Like in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not going to, even if it does go wrong, it's not going to be like traumatic or fucking detrimental. Like just do it, go for it. And uh, yeah, that that would probably be it. (laughs) <laughs> i love it i absolutely love it even though i say i love it after fucking every time someone says their answer <laughs> um but yeah my guy i definitely appreciate you taking yeah, the time man. to do this 100 percent um, bad get your and ass then up hopefully here. the border opens up soon so i can come to toronto peace out love you brother <laughs> all right well i'm